Hi, everybody. Mike Hancock here, and welcome to today's session with Paul Teval from the Netherlands, uh, deep in 30 centimetres of snow, um, probably under his desk by now. Paul, it's, it's really lovely to have you on the call. And, um, you know, I think Paul's a great example of when you work with somebody close enough, then you just get inside who they are and everything like that. And, and you know, this gives me an opportunity both in public here and also um, on the video, which lasts forever, to acknowledge the work that you've done in the speaking world as well. And, you know, the way you really went about the global presidency, because you had, you were president of the Global Speakers Federation during COVID. So, uh, I mean, that's a, I don't think anybody's ever had to deal with that in a pandemic before. And you did it with grace. And I think you, you had a fantastic year. And uh, this year, um, John Molador's got an easy, easy slide after that one. So Paul is a lawyer by trade. So the first question I wanted to ask you, Paul, by the way, welcome, is um, what made you want to be a lawyer before we get into the pet subject? And then sort of what, tell us a little bit about your early career. Well, thank you, Mike, um, and welcome to all the others. It's nice to be back here on uh, on this meeting. Um, when I, I grew up in the 60s and in the Netherlands, it, it was I was living in an area not like Amsterdam, where we had all the flower power and, and stuff. I was born in a quite traditional family. Um, so I grew up in a quiet neighborhood and I wanted to be a reporter. I, I saw all the news on TV and I thought, this is amazing. I, I want to do the same and become famous in my country. Um, so I asked one of the big reporters on Dutch television, what do I need to study? And she said, there are three things you can study. History, the Dutch language or Dutch law. And she said, if you do Dutch law, she was a lawyer herself. She said, you have a broad opinion. You, you, you know how to analyze stuff, get to the point and then make your statement. And that's why I started. And then during my study, I found out that I loved social security and labor law much more than being on stage. Uh, something happened in my career and I came back on stage. But I started as a normal lawyer uh, in a big office, making a lot of hours. Exactly. So, so now there was a time in your life where you realized that, you know, you wanted to be involved with people, you wanted to be involved in productivity, that things weren't happening in the workplace as you saw that they should, which led you into to what you're doing now. So what was the critical moment there, Paul, from your perspective? Well, I think that at some point, and I don't know exactly when it was, but I was looking into my practice and I saw that if you make a law, you're always five years behind re reality. Because we see something happening, we respond, and then we're not satisfied by the behavior of people and we make a law to correct them. And I thought, this is so silly. Um, that's never going to work. You will always have people who will fight against laws. So maybe it's better to go from the back end where I was working, somebody did something wrong and we had to correct him. And 
in trying to go into more the psychology of the whole stuff and be at the front end and talk to people and try to get them into different behavior. And I think it was when I was working with a company called Capgemini. I was a consultant on social security, uh, working for the Dutch government. And I was getting bored of doing that kind of stuff because we were again making software to implement laws. And I thought this is so silly. And it still is. It's not <laughs> nowhere. No. So, so you jumped into your business, which became Team Andari. And, and I'm, I'm really interested because, you know, as much as we have circle of excellence, as much as we tell people that they've got to meet with other people and talk to other people and that sort of stuff, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't happen as much as we really encourage it to happen. So I'm interested to say, what do you stand for? What's your premise? What is it, what is it that you want to change on the world and why? Um, I, I don't think I'm looking for big changes in the world. What I would love people to be is to be more happy and to accept their own lives and make the best of it because with a negative attitude, there is always enough to complain about. And what I would like to see is that you accept your life and of course, we are going to talk about core values and, and live your core values and try to be the best version of yourself. And then you can work with others and others will accept it. And we call it the cascade model. So you start on the top and it will drip down and drip down and more people will be influenced but by what you're saying and doing. So I don't want to be a politician standing in front of people, yelling at them and whatever they do, but I, I want to convince people that you can do it in a different way. So you've really been for a long time and, and your keynote is, is, is this, and certainly when we started digging into your keynote as well, and then, then it got changed around a little bit, but happiness makes you money. So... Tell us, tell us about that and tell us how you, why that's important and then we'll dig into why it's even important today um, yep. with what's been going on in the last 12 months. Well, I, 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 I not wanted to do any presentation, but I'm going to sh uh, show you uh, a slide. Oh, I can share my screen now. Um, and only just for a moment. This is... This is the centerpiece of uh, happiness makes money. Um, this is what I see. If you if you live truly your core values, if you really know them, if you know what you're, why you are here in the world, it can create a lot of energy in your own life and through yourself into the lives of other people. And what we see if people are more happy, more engaged than profitability and that's a broad uh, a word it's not about money only it's about happiness and and all that kind of stuff so it will help you grow as as a human being so this is this is what what the core is and i i must say we created it in cape town in 2018 
Um, but I, I, I was convinced that um, knowing your core values will help you to increase your energy level, not only in your private life, but in your work as well. And through that, engagement goes up and you will feel different. And if you wake up with a smile, others start smiling. I saw a video yesterday of a guy in a British tube who started laughing just with the big ha 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 laugh. And within two minutes, everybody was smiling and laughing in that tube. And I thought, that's it. That's what you try to do. Because those people go to work and they still have that big smile on their face and they will influence other people as well. So that's the most important thing. And that's what I try to do and tell people if you're ill or you're disemployed or you're disabled, hey, keep that smile on your face. Try to re-energize yourself and go on. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because... Um... As some of the people on this call know, one of my good friends is a, is a guy called Glenn Levy. And, and Glenn, um, apart from the badge that National Geographic gave him 15 years ago now about being the most dangerous man on the planet, he's an exceptional martial artist. But um, Glenn always, I would hear him speak from stage, Paul, and he would say, when you, even if you put a fake smile on your face like this, and actually it's been really interesting, I want to tell you something about body language in a minute. But even if you put a fake smile on your face, it's actually impossible internally at that point to have negative thought. Yeah. You cannot have a negative thought while you put a smile on your face. So I think what you're saying, Paul, and I see you nodding, is if you have a really poor day, you know, just start smiling and it's actually going to shift your vibration, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the fun part. If, if you can't do it by yourself, it's so funny now to go to YouTube and, and look for that video and it, it, it will just help you. It's silly. Uh, I start presentations that are boring about sick leave and that kind of stuff. And I start with a fun video and I start with small children saying what they want to become when they grow old. And then finally you see a man of 45 years old. And he is brain dead and he is saying, what do I want to become when I grow up and he has no clue what he's going to do with his life. And everybody starts smiling because they look in the mirror and they say to themselves and they, oh my goodness, this is not good. And it works. It works. I, I recently saw how the CIA and, and that was, um, was doing some uh, experiments on body language and they, they were using Mark Zuckerberg's fake smile, which apparently he's using all the time now. In every interview, they ask him a question, he goes, yes, well, and then as soon as the, he's off camera, he goes back to his normal thing. It's fascinating. But um, Paul, in terms of your, your work, and you're very well known for this, um, give us some data, if, if you know some data, and I know you do, on how being more happy at work actually increases our overall productivity. Yeah. And how it increases our overall results. Um, a, a lot of people know Gallup worldwide because Gallup is doing a lot of research on, on uh, engagement. Um, and I'm not that interested in the exact number of people that are engaged in South Africa or in New Zealand or in the Netherlands or in Ireland. What I see is there are seven levels 
that will be influenced by engagement. And that's about productivity. Uh, productivity goes up with an average of 23%. And I once said to a CEO, well, it's not that much. And he said, well, that's one day extra for free. And then I thought, yeah, then 23% is, is a lot. So if you can do it in 32 hours, and in Sweden, they, they say now 26 hours is the max you should work because then productivity goes down and you can put it into 26 hours, what you normally do in 40. You see productivity goes up, but for me, much more important is that failure, making mistakes goes down with 40%. And that's what I always say, is it important? Yes, when you're in ICU, it's very important that failure is minimized. Uh, so that, that's, and especially in these times, we know how important that work is. So yeah, we, we hope that people make less mistakes, but the fun part is in my job is that sick leave goes down with 40% as well. So, in the Netherlands, for the people who don't know it, we pay someone's income for two years when you get ill. So if you are disabled in any form, whatever, if it's private or business-wise, we pay you your income for another 104 days, a week, I must say. So that's, that's a lot of influence for employers. So that's why we work on engagement because if people are engaged at work, they love what they're doing, then sick leave goes down. So you earn a lot of money as an employer. So it's fun to see that a lot of managers hate engagement because, oh, they're smiling, oh, they're happy, oh, they need to work. On the other hand, if I talk about them on these results, you see them smile because they think, yay, finally they go to work and do something and still happy. So, and I think that's the difference between leadership and management. And I try to exaggerate it because it's not true. I see damn good managers and they want to be called manager. But I can, the difference is when you lead somebody, you can support, facilitate somebody instead of ticking the boxes and telling them what to do. And for me, that's the big difference. So big leaders will make people happy, make them rich, make them energized. And that's, that's halfway through the, the business. Absolutely. So, so let's, um, let's talk about the whole COVID issue and everything like that. So, First, I want to look macro, like from, from your expertise, from a macro perspective of what's happening in the world around happiness and how that's leading to engagement, how that's affecting companies. And of course, everybody on this, on this call has clients. So how that's affecting their clients and, you know, what can be done. And then I want to sort of lead into, and you can, you can take this and run it or I'll re-ask the question, um, what can we do what can we do essentially to make sure that our clients are in a better space so that our, we've got more longevity in our businesses and things like that? Well, what, what I saw, and, and it differs per person and per company, a lot of companies in, with, with the start of COVID, they had no clue what was going on and they hit on rolling. Um, 
I was in Australia when the Netherlands went in, into lockdown and I didn't know, can I come home and did I care? No, I, I was having fun. So why should you worry? And I came back and within 24 hours, I was out of work. And then you can do two things. You can be sad and lay down on the couch and wait till the times change or you start to become active. And I think every person will react in a different way. Um, so what we can do is try to help them into that next step. And I see companies and I was interviewing a CEO last week on this and um, it's a big IT company in the Netherlands. And he said, well, all the people work from home and we're never going to change it again. And their headquarters is now called their uh, home, their second home, and they have a theater in it. And the only reason to come to work is to get inspired. That's what they say. Yep. If you come to the office, it's not to work, it's to get in, uh, inspiration. And isn't that amazing if you have 2,000 people working in your company say, oh, stay at home, do your job over there, but hey, if you want to come, it's about inspiration. So we will have music, we will make theater, and they're now making a musical on Johan Cruyff. Everybody knows that soccer player. They created it with their own employees. And then think it's not your job as CEO to create a musical. Yes, he says, that's my role. I need to engage people <laughs> and get them into the next step because then they go to home at the home and they work. And of course, when you have children at home, like we have for the last eight weeks, then it can be tough. Um, on the other hand, you, if you make good structure in your day, you will be much more productive in four hours than normally in eight hours. And I truly believe it. And, you, know, and you see it working. I, I'm interested to pick this up. There's so many places we can go with this because, you know, for uh, most people on this call aren't from the Netherlands and most people on this call aren't from Europe. So you've got Scandinavia. Um, and I really, sorry, Paul, but I really put the Netherlands into my Scandinavian picture because I see these as, as highly intelligent you know, really leading the world in so many ways. And, uh, you know, I'm talking Denmark, I'm talking Holland, I'm talking Finland, I'm talking Norway, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm talking Sweden. Um, no Germans on the call? No, not at the moment. <laughs> they are that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they're way below us. Yeah. Yeah, they're below you on the map. I get oh, that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I really see that. So what you're seeing now in the Netherlands is you're seeing CEOs of companies with thousands of people literally saying, don't come back to work, but just come back to work to be inspired because we're now turning the workplace into a fun place. So it's now no longer called a workplace, it's called a fun place. And so we're going to do all these cool things and everything at work because we've, hell, we've rented the building, we've got to do something with it. And then, you know, out of Sweden now, the Sweden's saying, um, people can't work for more than 26 hours a week because they're not productive. Now, I know that Landy would agree with you wholeheartedly on that, uh, um, on that one. She would be jumping up and down with agreement on that. And I too agree with you. So 
And you know that we work four days a week, most weeks of the year. Um, this week, we're only technically working three days a week. But what I found myself, and I, I'm interested in your input because what entrepreneurs do, even some of the people on this call, I open my computer on Monday morning and I see emails from some of you on this call that you've sent on the weekend. And I open my WhatsApp and I see WhatsApps on the weekend. So I know that you're not managing your time necessarily the way I manage my time. So Paul, um, I have, and I wrote about this in 2006 in a book called uh, Can You Teach a Goat to Dance? But I, I and I, I've reinstated it this year and last year. I have what I call run and hide days. So Friday is a hide day for me. Nobody can get a hold of me on a Friday unless you're a personal friend, right? So um, that's just the way it is. I don't check my WhatsApps. I don't check emails on a Friday. It doesn't happen. But then a day like today, um, oh, I've had appointments at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10, um, 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 2 p.m., uh, sorry, 1, 2.30 p.m., 4 p.m., and now we're going to buy Nicola's new computer at 5.30. So this is very much a run day for me, right? So, um, so on that basis, that's how I like to work. And then I, so I, I look at my year and I break down my year by I have 20% run days where I'm full on. You know, you can take my blood pressure at the end of the day and the top one's definitely up. Then I have high days where nobody can get me. And I'm talking during the week, not the weekends. And then I have fairly regular days, which... Um, you know, I don't have one this week. They're all run days. But last week, Monday was a regular day. I had like one appointment and then I was doing other, other stuff. So what's your view on the way work needs to be managed? How many hours should we as entrepreneurs, let's look at the entrepreneur space. What's your view? And, you know, of course, you've been president of the Global Speakers Association. So you see this in speakers, trainers, et cetera, a lot. So I'm really interested in how you see it. Well, I, I must say that when, when you were saying this, I, I thought being the president taught me that I should work a maximum of three weeks a month and have the fourth week off because then I was traveling. And for me, traveling was just fun. Meeting people, uh, even being in the plane was fun for me. So, uh, And I wasn't paid first class or whatever it was just being in the back of the plane the cheapest uh, seat but what i do and I, I i i'm not into time management what what i see is that you need to control your own energy so what works for you won't work for me um, but i agree on friday i have no appointments but i will be doing stuff but I also know that around 11, because of the lockdown, I will go do shopping for the weekend. Because on Saturday, it will be too much people. And on Friday, just before 12, before lunch, it will be quiet. So I will organize it. And today, normally, I go to the business school where I'm the head lecturer. Normally, I leave at 8. But because of the snow, we can't travel. So I'm happy that I can be here. Um, but I try to organize my days in blocks of three hours. So three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon and the evening, I go for a long walk. Then I check whatever. And then around nine, my phone is dead. My computer is off. 
I'm sitting down and just relaxing. So I, I made blocks of three hours and that works quite well for me and for others it will be different, but you need to be aware where you're losing your energy, where that energy drain is, that it's taking much more percentage of your energy than you will normally have. Well, stop working at those hours, do something else, go for a walk. And you know, I walk 10, 12 kilometers a day um, and it's easy. You can plan it. It's, it's people who say, oh, that's, that's too much. No, it isn't. Just plan it. I didn't walk this morning. When this is done, I will go for a walk. I will walk 45 minutes. Then I work till one. And in the afternoon at two, I will do another big walk. It's, you can organize it wherever you are. So it's always that we we think we're that important that we have to be online 100% of the time. And I think we're not. Yeah, no, you're, you're quite right. And I, I, I love what you're saying because when I, when I hear that, what I hear is that you are a conscious, you're conscious about your managing your energy. You're very conscious about it. And I would venture to say, and particularly as you know, in corporates, Paul, um, most people are not at all conscious about managing their, their energy. And certainly for most of my life, I haven't been conscious about managing my energy. If there was a gap, I'd plug it with something, right? Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the way that, that I've lived my life. And I think, you know, it's honestly, it's been detrimental. It's only been the last few years that I've really taken control of that. Um, and, and Lundy's been great in, in, in helping me take control of that. But so the, the thing is for everybody on this call is to become more conscious in the way in which you manage your energy and, and take heed of the Swedish. I mean, 26 hour work week. I mean, that's essentially three days. If you want to put it into three days, Paul saying working three, three weeks a month and then taking a, a, a week out, we tend to work a cycle of, um, 10 weeks on and then a week off that's sort of works for us, but we don't work Fridays other times. So you've got to, you've got to understand what works for you folks. Um, so Paul, my next question is you, what for you is what's stress doing to our engagement at the moment and particularly to our engagement from COVID? Uh, I, I think if you really suffer from stress, uh, then, then your engagement goes down because stress and engagement, it, it, it's so connected. Uh, when you are really engaged, you can't go jump into a burnout at once. That, that's impossible. There is so much research by uh, professors in universities. Uh, first, you are engaged, then you become a workaholic and you're misusing your energy and then you get into a burnout. So that's the way it is scientifically proven, I think. Um, but what you see, and I see now a lot of people go the other way. They go from engagement in some sort of laziness, satisfaction, and then they get into a bore out. And that has exactly the same effect as a burnout. You're draining the energy from your body because you're doing and, and a lot of people are in that position. So 
what I try to do is to energize people. And normally I do a lot of things on, on uh, the internet now. I did my first offline presentation last Friday. And I call it now offline because it's different than the <laughs> online presentation. So I'm offline. And I was sitting in an area and I thought, well, is this two meters between all of us? Because we were with eight people in a room and ah, I'm scared. That's, that's our condition now. But the point is you need to energize the people. And, and whatever you, you do, I, I'm not a who kind of stuff. Uh, so for me, it's sending energy through the screen and people will accept it or not. And that's the way I can do it. So we, if we give advice to companies, it's to help them to get out of that boredom into energy again and energizing again and getting into engagement. And it will be 10, 15% of the employees. 70% uh, will be in that in-between state. Is that terrible? No, of course not. It's terrible if you have 100% of those energized people in the room. It will kill you. So that can be overkill. But I think it's important for people to, to understand how to manage your energy and then tell it to the others. Like you did, Mike, in, in France with uh, the meditation session that we did. I wasn't into meditation before. Uh, all those exercises were not for me, but I do it now every week, every Tuesday evening is nice. my meditation evening. That's lovely. Really and good. Why? Because I noticed that it helped me. And, and I found the white lion, but that's a different story. But uh, it was important for me to to see what can work for me in a, in a period of COVID, of curfew, of lockdown, how to get your energy. And if you know it, help others. Because a lot of people have no clue how to get out of this system. So they, we need to help them. And if you can only help one or two a day, that's amazing. That's what I do. The beautiful thing when you do that, Paul, is when you help one or two, it, you know, you, you're creating that infrastructure around you, which actually lifts you up as well, which, which is going to lead into my next question of um, how do we or what's some ways, in, and I think you've, you've named one there, but, but let's dig into it. What's some ways in which we can invest more in our own personal engagement? Because it's a struggle for people to feel engaged at the moment because they sort of feel they're taking two steps forward and one step back. Well, you will still get to the to the uh, to the end where you want to become. Uh, in in Luxembourg, we have a procession called the Echternacht procession, and it's two steps forward, one step backwards. But they still get to church. Takes a little bit more time, but they will get there, and they do it every year since Middle Ages. So, I think it's important, and I always have three steps. Is first, and it's getting boring. Get your non-negotiables. If you don't know them, I don't know it anymore. You, you need to know what you stand for. And I added number four to my list, and that's loyalty. I found out that my loyalty goes beyond limits sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that can be scary, I can tell you. And then it confronts you with how other people treat you. And that's sometimes it's conflicting, but hey, still I want to be that person who is loyal to his peers, to his friends, even to your enemies, you can be loyal and, and just be open and fair to them. So for me, knowing your core values is absolutely number one. Then number two is go out, go for a walk, do something and don't run like an idiot. Just do a normal walk of 20 minutes a day. We have the Brain Foundation and uh, Professor Eric Schredder is one of the top specialists in the world. And he said, you only need 20 minutes a day in a firm pace. It will help you to restructure your brain if you do it every day. So I walked for two hours, then I stopped. I went back to 20 minutes, didn't work for me. So I'm working, walking two hours again. And I do virtual walks now. I'm walking the Hadrian wall, a wall in the UK. So between the UK and uh, England and Scotland, there is a wall and I'm walking it online. Why? I have my Fitbit and I walk and I see every day where I'm going. So we can do whatever we need to do to exercise, to work. And the third thing is meditate or take breath uh, pauses, uh, as we call it. And just be aware that there is more in life than just you. Um, because we, we, especially in this time, I see a lot of people who are so focused on their own misery that they will go into a burnout because of it. And in the Netherlands, they did research. We have only 17 million people, 4 million of them, are close to a burnout at this moment. Wow. And that's 25%. And they say that there will be a hidden group of people of two to three million that are close to burnout as well in the coming six months. So mm -hmm. we're doing something completely wrong. And when you watch television, it's all about failing governments, not working vaccines. We can't skate on ice with a group. We have the Elfstedentocht. For the first time in 30 years, it's freezing cold here. We can skate on ice again and it's not allowed. Because 20,000 people will participate and it's not allowed to do so. So the frustration goes up and up and up and it kills more people than COVID. Of course it does. I'm not saying that COVID doesn't exist because too many people die because of it. But we're getting now to a phase that other illnesses will become more terrible than what we are trying to deal with. So if they say um, go and skate with a thousand instead of 20,000, I know those other 19,000 will do it illegally on the same day. So then I think, let's do it. And check them all out several times. But we need to give people the freedom to do something with their life. So we need to be aware that we have only negative stuff on television. 
So I want to give that positive vibe and, and say, go for a walk because whatever happens, we can still walk. We can go out. And if it's not a safe environment, look for it where you can do it. Of course, I know there are places where you can't walk outside like in big Scandinavia, uh, as you call it, Mike. Yeah. Um, but even in Amsterdam, there are areas where I'm not going to walk uh, after midnight. So. Of course. Paul, um, I think that so many great nuggets here for, for everybody. I mean, I don't watch the news. I don't read newspapers. I don't look at the news feeds on Facebook or anything like that. Strangely, I still manage to keep up to date with what's important, but there's so much bloody fake news now. I just can't be bothered with it. You know, it's almost like somebody introduces themselves these days, look at them and go, are they actually um, artificial intelligence or a real person? So what do you think is, is, is the, going to be the trend, I guess, for the next 12 months so that we can jump back on the horses? Because one of the, I think you, you pointed out something, you, you did it subtly, um, but I, and I don't know if people picked it up, but this is the fact of the matter. People are now scared when they're outside. It's agoraphobia. That's, that's the other thing. So I see, it, I see it a lot. You know, I walk the dog along the street and people like walk a three meter berth around you like you're the devil. Now the dog will bite them, but as we know, but you know, they, they still walk around there. I'm just like, I'm not buying into any of that crap in my life. You know, um, I'm not buying into anybody reducing my freedom anymore. So I don't know what you think people can do because this is part of happiness. Because I can't be happy if I walk outside and somebody stops me in the street and says, what a nice dog. And I start going, oh, get away from me. Oh, oh, you know, because I'm scared of, you know, maybe getting some flu that, uh, that possibly will kill me. You know, I can walk across the road and get killed by the car anyway. Yeah, that, that, that's the point. There are a lot of different uh, danger types that, that can hit us. And one of them is... is uh, being scared of other people. And um, I'm not saying that you need to take your freedom. Um, everybody will deal with it in its own way and, and will need to accept the consequences of the, of the behavior because that, that's, that's my uh, slogan as well. Make your choice and accept the consequences of it. So if you say, I don't care, I will do whatever I want to do, I'm fine, uh, so, but accept the consequence. On the other end, if, if there is something going on like a pandemic, we, we can be more careful to, to each other. And I see a lot of people around me, people from 45 to 80 who died because of COVID and they didn't die because of the flu. So do we need to be careful? Yeah, of course. Do we need to be scared? That's something different. And because we are now forced into sharing uh, the, the whole world, the, the new normal will, will say, I didn't believe in a new normal. I thought we will go back to what we did before. But change is there all the time. So there is no old normal or new normal, there will be a normal, and it will be different than we used to know in 2019. And so I think that this year, 
I don't think I will travel this year, not even within Europe. I'm not allowed even to go to Germany to my second house. I'm only renting it. It's a small apartment. Don't think I'm rich. Um, but I can't travel there. It's not allowed. So we don't have borders in, in Europe, but I'm not allowed to go to Germany. And, and that scares a lot of people. But if you look in the Netherlands, it's a small country, but I still see parts of the country that I've never seen before in my 62 years. So now we're traveling within our country and of course we take care and I wear a mask and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not scared. And I think that's what you do to yourself. It, it becomes part of your behavior that you're scared. And that's what I try to prevent and tell others, act in the way that helps you, that supports you, but don't be afraid for what's happening. It, it's not going to help you, not your parents, not your kids. So, and, and call others. Uh, I have a group of friends that I didn't see that much and I didn't think I had that much friends. Uh, but in these days, I, I started calling them all. Yep. And I didn't do it for eight, nine months. So, and I thought, isn't this silly? We see each other on Facebook and WhatsApp groups, uh, and then we talk a lot, but we don't really connect. And we started doing it again, and it's just fun. And what do we talk about? Nothing. And Which that's is fun. the fun part. Just, uh, you, you, know, oh, you know that I always call Lindsay Adams on Sunday morning. Sunday, Sunday yeah. morning hits Sunday evening. We do it now for almost 10 years. It's silly. Sometimes we talk for two hours and we say nothing. And sometimes it's only five minutes and it's meaningful. So it's the connection. Don't be scared to connect with other people. So if I walk the dog, I will see a lot of people who walk just past me because the road isn't that narrow. So, and I'm not scared. Of course not. It, Paul, um I'm going to open it up for, for, for some questions now from anybody, but I just want to, to fill in, you know, Paul's been talking about employee engagement in the big picture, and we've heard some statistical data. We've talked about the nature of work and how it's changing. Um, we've talked about how that affects us as, as entrepreneurs as well. And we've also talked, Paul, about your three tips to, to engage more ourselves. And I put those in the chat, core values, make sure that you're aligned with those. And then, of course, you know, walk, get out um, and do that and meditate and do some breath work as, as well. Um, and I laugh here that Philippe said he sneezed on the tram and uh, you should see the reactions from, from everybody else. And uh, so let's open this up for anybody got any questions uh, for Paul that they would like to ask on engagement or how to get more centered, how to become more happy, how to help others around you become more happy at the moment. And I'll open it up. We'll say goodbye to the people on the recording now so they can, uh, they can say uh, catch you later. Bye to the people on the recording. We'll see you.